Hi everyone, welcome to PA Talks, an interview series by Parametric Architecture, the world's most renowned avant-garde architecture platform about parametric and computational design. We meet the architecture and design pioneers on this podcast and talk about their careers, experiences, methodologies, and visions for the future. My name is Hamid Hasanzade, founder and editor-in-chief of Parametric Architecture Platform. Welcome to the show, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. To support this podcast, please check the links in the description. Make sure to follow our platform on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and support us on Patreon. You may listen to this conversation on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Today, we're going to invite uh, our tutors from uh, Reactive Miniverse Studio Workshop, which is going to start in about two weeks. And we will have Andrew uh, and Hamza, the tutors of uh, this studio workshop, joining today with us. And we, can, we will be discussing about their uh, careers and uh, their architecture, where are they, what are they doing, and also about the workshop. So uh, I'll just give a very short introduction about each one of them, and then I will invite them to stage to join here with me. So. Uh, First of all, uh, Andrew Freidenberg is an American architect and computational designer who is working at Heatherwick, Thomas Heatherwick Studio. He received his bachelor's degree in architecture from AADRL and he has worked on projects ranging from material research to urban design. And also Hamze Machmuchi is an architectural designer and researcher at Zahadid Architects. Who graduated from the Architectural Association (AADRL). He previously earned his bachelor's degree in architecture from Magna Cum Laude in Boston. And during his time at the AA, he created a metaverse, uh, which in which uh, uh, various real ta- real life stakeholders may use assets that can be traded in a marketplace to form a whole neighborhood. Thanks for joining, guys. Uh, I, I know you both are in London, and uh, this probably at the same distance or same location. <laughs> and uh, today we're gonna discuss uh, about uh, your backgrounds, your uh, the, the the projects that you're working on, and also we're gonna discuss uh, the uh, studio workshops that we're gonna have together, uh, and you're gonna lead this studio. So I'm going to start by asking both of you, maybe Andrew can go first, uh, why were you interested in becoming an architect and how does it evolve since then? Well, that's a, I mean, that's a very broad question. I must say I've always been, my, my family is, is not a family of designers, hardly so, completely actually the opposite. Um, but I just enjoyed playing at Legos when I was a kid, drawing, uh, I took drawing camps. My parents encouraged, you know, uh, some level of design. So I'd go to drawing camps. We did some like computer, uh, computer graphics camps and things like that. But I had a very uh, traditional sense of uh, what architecture was. And so I went and got my undergraduate um, in the University of Oregon, uh, in, in, in Oregon, in uh, the West Coast of the United States. And it was a very like holistic, approach to architecture um and sort of since then it's gone off the rails right uh it's been (laughs) it's devolved into a whole series of other uh interests including what we're doing with this course and whatnot but um but it comes from a background of like uh sustainability and architecture and like real spatial design and this sort of thing so 
yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of how, uh, <laughs> how right. I started to enjoy architecture and whatnot. Uh, nice. Uh, how, how, how do you think it has changed since you were interested to join architecture or the ideas, the, the things that you were expecting now, uh, how, how, how did it has evolved since then? So, so I, so I started, so I got my bachelor's of architecture and I, and I went and I worked in uh, uh, real architecture practices doing real buildings and real things. Um, and this is a, a really good experience. I think it's like kind of fundamental, you know, to, to the later development of anything. Uh, after <laughs> I that. like the way you emphasize on a real thing. <laughs> I think it is very important <laughs> to design real things, you know, I think, I think it can be, you can easily get lost if you're designing non-tangible things. I think it's important yes. to have, to have something physical and so, and not to get lost in, in either one, you're, it's trying to bring it all together. Um, yeah, but, but so, so this experience, like working in an actual uh, architecture, um, like real uh, architecture, it kind of led me to kind of question some of the fundamental decisions that, that, that were being made. And this in turn sort of led me towards the computational side of architecture of using like math and, and, and logic and processes to make, to make designing uh, uh, in a way simpler, but in a way like unlock your, your toolbox so you can design anything. Um, and so, and so that is what led me to then go to the AA uh, and, and coming to London for the first time. Um, and after that, I mean, worked uh, two jobs or three jobs actually since uh, I graduated AA. One being uh, with Mark Bourne's The Very Mini, which is very uh, computational sculptures. You'll see some of their work definitely posted on your uh, page. Um, that's The Very Mini. Uh, and, and so this is a really interesting experience like combining arts and architecture, focusing on the computational uh, side of it. And then I've also worked uh, material uh, research with Logitech and doing uh, and doing some more exploratory, uh, like personal researches on the side as well. And so, and so this kind of like all this uh, has like accumulated my interest in things beyond, uh, beyond nice. just, uh, architecture as well. So yeah. That's great. So what about you, Hamza? So uh, a bit the opposite actually for me, like my, my parents were, so in the construction industry, my sister is actually an interior architect and on her way to become an architect. Um, and when I was a child, actually, it was kind of uh, rebellious of me, but I really wanted to be a robotics engineer. Like I was super fascinated with Isaac Asimov, like all of these different like movies I was watching, like iRobot. And for me, like it just... Uh, started really like diverging to like the realm of like uh, demotics, you know, like really thinking about like, you know, like augmented architecture, you know, and I was thinking about how, you know, like architecture could become reactive and yeah, somehow I just find it, I just found myself like becoming interested actually in architecture, but more as I was going into the site with my parents to like look at construction projects and stuff like this. And then all of a sudden, yeah, like, um, I, uh, I I applied to go to Boston just to test out how architecture was for me, and I just really so I went to the Boston Architecture College, and uh, the, the the college itself is like very interesting because it's embedded in practice, so you have to go to work while you're going to school. So one thing that was uh, was really cool was to see how architecture in practice is kind of uh, 
like very different from the way we think about it academically and how research started like really sprouting from there. Like you're taking things from reality and trying to put them into like, uh, so you're taking actually things from the, the, the imaginary realm and you're trying to implement them into reality. And it became really interesting for me as I was going through my, my studies, um, how like, like the relationship of robotics could be, um, something that could be implemented in real in real life, and how like architecture could actually take in from from these like uh, moments. And this is somehow I actually how I actually kind of got really um, super interested in the realm of metaverse, right? Because this is where you get to test out ideas. And um, a lot of the things that I was doing at the DRL were actually revolving around like with my team, like we were trying to think about how we could augment, you know, architecture, maybe just from the way we interact with one another, like it became something really, uh, you know, holistic in a way, because you, you started thinking like architecture is just not this one simple, like linear process. It's something that involves many different aspects and you can incorporate all of these different things together. You could think that robotics is very remote from like, for example, like how we design architecture, but I mean, you could look at many projects uh, that are being done today and a lot of the things that are being kinetic or the things that are being considered like imaginary are being built today, like in a sense, through architecture. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I guess, the short story on how I kind of went where I'm at now. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, you mentioned about AADRL and I know both of you have been there. What do you think is very unique about AA that is uh, just uh, keeping it on, on the forefront of uh, architecture school? And uh, most people that, uh, graduate from AA, they also go to GHA <laughs> and top, top studios like Heather Rick. What is special about DRL? I think, I think it comes from, they're really push, I mean, so they're pushing a, a technology side and, and really trying to grasp onto new technologies and, and seeing how you can augment them. But at the same time, they're also trying to push uh, some, social agenda, which is very hard to integrate into architecture because it's asking greater uh, questions about society and community forming and these sort of things. But it's bringing that into the conversation, which I think is important. Um, so, so it allows us to sort of take these variety of things and, and develop our own researches. So you have, you know, a studio of four groups or, or 16, maybe in the entire DRL. And, and you're able to kind of push a whole lot of agendas forward at each year and then consecutive years will further that uh, development. So it's super interesting. I went to the DRL the year before Hamza and, and we also were looking at some sort of uh, community building architecture using uh, the game engines essentially to, to pre-design a building before it ever gets even to the building. design stage. Wow. So yeah, so, it, so it's, so it's still fundamentally locked in reality. It's like we want to output a building, but we're using game engines and these ideas of social interaction in the metaverse sort of style platform mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. to build that building. So it's we want to fundamentally change society with a built thing, but we're using these augmented technologies to to get there. So I think there's a, like a, a really nice duality um, duality in that that. That maybe I don't, I I can't speak for other schools, right? And I'm sure other schools <laughs> do 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 this as well and 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 whatnot. But um, but that definitely was my experience uh, in in the DRL. Right. I think actually what's uh, what's quite unique about uh, the DRL is it's unapologetic about its disruptive agenda. Like it's always trying to like shake kind of things. <laughs> you know, it's always trying to force you to think in a different fashion and. 
there's no field that's too remote. Like for example, even like when you look at uh, different studios inside of of of, this, of the program itself, you start noticing people like tackling with biology, uh, or like some people are even doing some sort of like reaction like with robotics, or even like thinking about how fabrication can be interlinked with the way we develop prototypes. Like there's absolutely no kind of, uh, and because of its community, there's absolutely no boundary. Like you could build, for example, my year we built like one of the tallest 3D printed columns and we just had never printed something ever before. And it was just like, oh yeah, we can. And yeah, they were like, yeah, no, no problem. Go ahead, use the, the, use the robot and go ahead, like uh, try it and see if it happens. And it would, and it, sometimes it would fail, sometimes it would work. And I think that's what's great about the school in general is that it actually really promotes um, uh, cross like boundaryless kind of like experimentation there's no mm -hmm. there's no you you're forced to think outside of the box and i think that's what's great about it in general yeah that's that nice. was my experience I mean. and, Amazing. and one, one thing just to, just to add to that is, uh, hamza hamza mentioned that there was a lot of failure is that when we were with the research we were doing there was a lot of failure and there's a lot of dead ends that you uh, end at and i think there's like mm -hmm. a, a level of acceptance that, that that comes from that that's okay with a bit of failure you know that's great. Uh, failures are a part of success as well, like many, many yeah. steps of failures, but at the end, you, you can call it success. So uh, we, we, we discussed somehow about game engines and their uh, integration to uh, uh, our industry. And also there's the metaverse that we are uh, quietly recent, recently hearing it in, in all industries. And it's mostly very attached to architects because architects have learned to how to work, work on virtual environments and then bring them into the uh, real environment. But now we are just focused on the virtual environments. How do you think is this uh, metaverse is also integrating in our profession? I think there would be two groups actually in, in this, in this uh, sort of uh, approach because there's the first approach, which is like the digital twin, right? You're trying to kind of replicate what happens in real life. And this is part of what my thesis tackled, which was like, you take a site that exists already and you're creating a sort of digital version of it that exists in the digital realm and where people can also have their currency already applied there. And you have like these stakeholders that can start interacting with one another. Uh, and that also kind of relates, you know, to like how for example, projects like Liberland kind of uh, approach it, right? Like having a sort of uh, cyber physical platform where people just like engage and mm -hmm. kind of exchange goods before they get implemented inside. So it's a, this is in this sense, like something that's like for pra like practical purposes, we call it like a, a, an experimentation platform, like where you actually test things before they get built. And then on the other hand, you have, in my opinion, the second group, which is the one that's solely focused on narratives and this is the thing that kind of like revolve around uh, like uh, NFTs, social contracts and how you actually like develop spaces that are meant to only be explored in the digital realm and that can never be built in real life and that's okay right like mm -hmm. and I think that's kind of like the bigger challenge that we're trying to uh, prone to like the the students and whoever's going to be watching in the future is throughout the studio what would you make as a space uh, that solely focuses on narratives because that also has its constraints based on how you take that start and and start and end point like how you reach these two ends and how you actually have space react to you and all of these things we're just trying to kind of propose a dialogue regarding how things are built in in that sort of digital realm you know i don't know andrew if you want to add to that 
well like yeah i mean it kind of question fundamentally questions like what is the metaverse which is which is already a ridiculously hard question to yeah. to answer i i don't know <laughs> if i buy into the, the the this idea that seems to be floating around more recently where it's like this all immersive uh, way of life i i don't believe that i believe it's like um it's more just a way that in the future, probably more experiences will be augmented uh, digitally and, 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 there, and there will be a, a more opportunity to, ex to experience uh, education and culture and games like in a more immersive fashion. And this is sort of where I see architects lending themselves to. It would be a pity to, uh, to like if architects only were to design, for example, like a what a physical store would manifest itself in the metaverse for uh, for, mm. for a company and, and whatnot when there's when it kind of takes the realm of possibilities and opens the whole bag so you can do whatever so it so what we're really hoping to do is we can question what exactly spatial experiences in these sort of digital environments can can be yeah yeah so and uh, I think so actually one other thing sorry so one other thing that I'd like to add is uh, it would force people to kind of like think about spaces that speak for themselves, right? Like this is the only occasion where we have the architecture that could actually react to people, right? Like this is the, the sense kind of like we're trying to implement where people don't have to just like walk around from one space to the other. The space could actually also guide them and tr like transport them and even provide enhanced narratives as you're like, you know, uh, walking through or you know merging or becoming part of the space, you know of course the spaces in, in metaverse or and uh, digital spaces are as much as valuable than uh, physical worlds because we we try to somehow uh, uh, relate ourselves into spaces if it's something that is our out of understanding we're, we're not going to enjoy that and yeah. that's also a very important part part of uh, designing for uh, metaverse that it it is also important to design by architects and the designers not just uh, designers from other industries uh, like uh, developers or let's say at least developers Have you ever wanted to connect with pioneering architects and designers to learn more about parametric design and computational tools? Then you may wish to join Pacademy, an educational platform powered by parametric architecture to spread the idea of using parametric design and computational tools in architecture. Pacademy has broadened its collaboration with pioneering architects and designers, dealing with diverse and numerous topics such as computational design, 3D printing, robotic fabrication, procedural methods, space architecture, metaverse design, design in VR, AR, and many more topics. You can register and join the live workshops or watch the previous studio workshops recordings. To learn more, you can visit parametric-architecture.com slash pacademy. So uh, what, what kind of tools are you mostly focused on, guys? Like the projects that you work, even in metaverse or in physical worlds, what kind of tools you are mostly focused on? Hmm. Uh, okay. So, uh, in terms of like actual software, uh, if we're if we're limiting ourselves to software, um, I would say I'm definitely 
a rhino grasshopper uh, guy. Uh, <laughs> okay. I've, I've, been, I've been using this software for uh, quite some time. Of course, I use a million other softwares in, in my in my free time. Uh, I I spend a lot of my time using Unreal Engine and and this sort of things just to make it more immersive because rhino grasshopper, you're you're limited in your experiential uh, uh, grasp on that. But um, but yeah, I, I, I love sort of uh, open source software. So so Blender is another one that I really, really enjoy. You can get really high quality um, product from that quite quickly and seamlessly. So uh, so yeah, I would say those are probably my main three. I, I've dabbled with Houdini a little bit. Um, that's a hard one to grasp, uh, but, it, but it's a fantastic software. So it, it, and also Maya, but that was more DRL times. Now I haven't used Maya for, for quite some time. So there's a lot of software <laughs> and it definitely gets overwhelming all the time, you know, and, and everyone's saying each specific software is the, the future of the industry and whatnot. So I think it's just important to kind of have a general grasp on what they can do and that's, and you can figure out the rest with tutorials as need be, you know? That's correct. Yeah, there's no software that can do it all. Like, uh, <laughs> I think I think on my end, like the the ones that I mostly use, like in my professional, you know, like uh, day to day, it's like Rhino, Maya, you know, Unreal Engine is mostly like things that I use, you know, when I'm trying to like uh, create platforms, you know, and especially like what's cool about Unreal is that, especially with the new update, is that you're able to create different like platforms that can immediately be exported and even maybe like soon enough you know like have the ability to even like uh export them to the internet you know uh, i think this is kind of like the the premise of of why unreal engine is so essential is like the game industry is slowly merging with all these different industries already merged for example with the film industry like if you guys watch the mandalorian or obi-wan like these are all shot using unreal engine technology and they're just using this like a geodesic room like with the screens around and all these scenes look like they're even shot at a on site somewhere but they're all like unreal you know <laughs> they, they don't amazing. exist there's, a, there's amazing. an amazing uh, video on youtube uh, documenting that process uh, somewhere yeah. there you just type in mandalorian unreal engine beautiful yeah it's amazing yeah. that's great so uh, t talking about uh, Metaverse, Unreal Engine, and you wanted to somehow to combine these terms and uh, use your experience to teach our students as well. In about two weeks from now, you're going to lead a studio workshop at Academy, and the topic is Reactive Metaverse. Uh, can you talk a little bit about this studio workshop and what uh, kind of knowledge uh, students will, will be taking away from this workshop? Uh, yeah, so I think, I, I mean, it's going to be combining sort of our architectural knowledge, we're both architects uh, at the end of the day, um, with sort of what we would enjoy seeing in, uh, in what we are saying is mini-verses, and, and this will be represented in Unreal Engine. So what we're going to be focusing on is like creating uh, spaces and geometries in Rhino and Grasshopper, and then using Unreal Engine to make them dynamic and reactive to players. So as you approach something, there could be a, an effect, a change. It could be transformations, uh, buttons, mm -hmm. triggers that can actually change the environment. So, so this is what we're really trying to focus on. So it's blending uh, like a very architectural tool, Rhino Grasshopper, and then also blending it into the, the very game engine and experiential tool of Unreal. That's and correct. I think also what's what's uh, what's important to note also is we call it the miniverse because 
the reality is we can't possibly build an entire, you know, like an entire metaverse in the in this time. Like we're trying to kind of like tune it down to, you know, a sort of level or a sort of scene, you know, where students can actually explore uh, how space can speak for itself. You know, again, like how can people like actually augment architecture, like uh, capabilities, like what, what, for example, what is a door in the, me like in the metaverse, right? Like why, why does a door have to be a door in the metaverse? Does it only open, close? Does it have other properties that people can actually exploit, right? That are just further than just the usual things that you experience in real life. And why are they so different to us in, in, you know, in the digital realm? Like why would they be so exciting? And is there a way to kind of like create and promote this culture, you know, of making space that, speak for themselves first, but also like give also something to think about, right? Because this is how like music, film industry operate. Like they kind of give you a sort of cultural fundamental that you kind of keep in your own kind of like baggage as you move forward. And this is kind of like how we're seeing it, you know, in general. Yeah, like like uh, in the architectural world, there's uh, what centuries and centuries of knowledge and documentation of like the limitations of of structural things <laughs> in spatial yes, ways, yeah. you know, like think of Maison Domino, like this is how concrete will be able to define space. But in the, in what we're calling our miniverse, uh, those same preconceptions and, and laws don't necessarily exist. So, it, so maybe what we could explore is what are the, that basis, like what, what can a space uh, be like and how will this affect you? How, how will you be able to occupy the space and whatnot? That's great. So uh, this studio workshop will start in about two weeks. So for those of you guys are interested to check it out, please uh, uh, go to our uh, Instagram page and click on the link in bio. And you'll find more, uh, all the information. There are a couple of seats left in case you're interested. Just uh, book your uh, spot and We'll just see, would be very happy to seeing you there. So uh, talking about the metaverse, how, and I'm sure that the, 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 this term is going to be evolved uh, uh, in, the, in the future, uh, in our, as we go, we will be uh, knowing much more things about metaverse and uh, virtual spaces. And regarding that, that you are both working in some uh, pioneering architectural offices, how do you see the future of Metaverse uh, in terms of um, we're still on the very early stages? How do you see the future regarding that? Hmm. And, I'm no, and I'm sure your, your companies are somehow also involved with the design of these spaces, uh, maybe you are also working, maybe it's classified, but uh, how, do you see the, how do you see the future of it? You, you know, Hamid, there's, there's something that I, that, that I always kind of think about when I see these new kind of like, uh, uh, you know, like paradigm shifts, we call them, right? Like uh, when, they come, when they come in front of us, I always think of Marshall McLuhan, you know, like he wrote a book called The Medium is the, Messa the Message. It was called The, Mes the Massage, which, which he liked that title because massaging the brain. But what he said, like that sentence always kind of like, you know, resonates with me because we always get fascinated by what the tool, like by the tool itself, and we don't really care about what the tool can do for tool, us, yes. right? Like we sometimes just talk about like just the tool itself. Oh, look, this is the tool. And I think we kind of forget that that tool have, has other mean and like ends like that are really interesting. They're also deserve, deserve to kind of be explored a lot more. 
And I think in the near future, what's going to happen, I mean, especially with like how meta is kind of like, you know, slowly taking over like a lot of like, you know, game industry giants, like for example, uh, Cradle is a, is a something, something mundane. Like it's like the Roblox uh, of like Unreal Engine. Like this, for example, was recently acquired by, by Meta. Uh, well, the, the licenses you can now play simply on Facebook. And it's just something that allows you to just build your own game and making it just really truly democratic. And I think what, what the Metaverse will do in a sense is kind of what I think in a way what Meta is kind of trying, aspiring to do is democratizing or making it very accessible for people to show their design first and also create discourse that goes beyond just what architecture is physically, right? So I think in the near future, what would happen in a sense is this ability to kind of question the physicality of architecture and maybe even talk about novel ideas that sometimes would exist mm -hmm. only in the metaverse, but also sometimes be transferred into real life. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's, I think, my take on it. <laughs> okay. And do yeah. you want to add anything? Yeah, I won't say anything about the Heatherick side of it, but I knew I do I do know a bit about. So there's this really uh, fabulous uh, stadium they built in LA, which I'm blanking on the name. I think it was HOK HOK designed it. It's this beautiful um, stadium, SoFi Stadium, um, and it was I think the first uh, building in the United States that got its planning uh, permission and and construction documents all signed off not as physical pieces of paper, but as a, a, an occupiable 3D model, which is, which is super fascinating to think about rather than outputting a, a design onto, onto into stacks of pieces of paper and then submitting it to get it, uh, to get it built. It's actually now you can send a file that a city council member or, or um, a, a resident might be able to actually interact with um, prior to that, the, the approval. Um, I mean, it, it potentially could get rid of the whole like render to reality uh, problem that we that we see, right? Yes. Um, so, so I think I think there's like a lot of opportunities that are not that like put on the VR and, and disappear into the metaverse. You know that. So I, I think there's a lot of like real world, uh, very applicable things, um, especially in the workplace. Like how 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 our workplaces um, are, are evolving faster than evolving, I think anyone yeah. can even can anyone can get used to. Uh, I think Zoom is super two dimensional, uh, and and I think there's a lot of room for slightly augmentation in in our in our workplaces and whatnot. Yeah, that's absolutely yeah, like right. maximizing. I think like maximizing stakeholder participation, like it reminds me a bit of that University of Oregon experiment that Christopher Alexander did, right? Like uh, how you had like people vote back, back then, like there was a lack of incentive for people to even engage with projects in architecture, maybe in the near future, you'd be able to even have everyone getting involved, you know, and having their say on how a project gets built, you know? Can you That's imagine absolutely the right. of this? <laughs> I, th I think the digital to win of the project or uh, let's say the physical, uh, the, the, the virtual uh, model of the project is going to be much more as valuable as the physical building itself. And uh, in case of reconstruction or restoration or what are they going to do about the uh, building after its life and the recycling or uh, re reusing these materials are also going to be calculated and planned according to the uh, 3D file uh, or let's say virtual file of the building. And in terms of 
sharing with, with the customers and involving. And it's going to be in another stage probably that we are living in now. It's just uh, purchasing all the houses <laughs> or flats or renting them regarding the 2D images. And uh, that's all, definitely something that is going to be game-changing. Uh, in case you, uh, any of our audience who are interested to join the Reactive Miniverse Workshop, just uh, slide into our profile and click on the link in bio. There are a couple of seats left and just book your spot and be with us at the Reactive Miniverse Studio Workshop starting on 25th June. Uh, okay, guys, thank you so much for this uh, amazing uh, discussion. Just lastly, I wanted to uh, ask, uh, what are your uh, advices for students and younger professionals? Whew, you guys are also it. young architects <laughs> yeah, yeah, and come designers. On, come on, come on. I think, I think this is something that I always something think. With the students. That's something that I always say to my students, and I repeatedly say, like all the time, when I when I have the opportunity, like to stay curious. I think staying curious and always kind of really question things, you know, be critical of of things that are around you. Because the thing, as an architect, you're also a social uh, vessel, right? Yeah, like you're kind of transferring different fields into all, like they're all converging into one, right? Like you're you're taking on cultural aspects, physical aspects. Uh, aesthetic aspects like you're you're almost you know like you're at these at this intersection of different disciplines and your role is to always stay curious and always be open to novel ideas you know yeah that's, that's i think my advice and and i think going off that is don't have okay maybe that's bad advice but i went into it with no set prior plan of what i was going to do i was very dynamic and flexible in what i was going to do I, I, I pursue an interest, you know, for, for a period of time and then and then I maybe I acquire a new interest or I see how the, the industry is changing and I and I and I move with that. And I think that that leads to a very like interesting uh, backgrounds and, and, and it, it can take you uh, it can take you quite far. But don't just have like a goal of where where exactly you want to be, because in 10 years when you're potentially at that goal. I, I'm not necessarily sure it'll be there or or the same as you um, imagined it would be, you know? Exactly. Thank yeah. you so much, guys. Uh, appreciate your time and hope to see Thank you God. soon in 25th of June. All right. We're Thanks for Thank joining. <laughs> Thank Take you care. so Thank much. You Take care, guys. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. See you soon. Bye. See you. Bye. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please subscribe to PA Talks Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts in order not to miss a single episode. Also, you can find out more by going to parametric-architecture.com slash PA Talks. Again, I want to mention PA Academy, or you can call it Academy, which is an educational platform powered by a parametric architecture to spread the idea of using parametric design and computational tools in architecture. Uh, you can register and join the live workshops or watch the previous studio workshops recordings please share this podcast with a url to inspire a friend also you can use hashtag pa talks on twitter instagram facebook to give us a feedback about the podcast thank you